the wrong side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. I am uh, recording my end of the podcast from uh, Chicago tonight. The Stars obviously have the third pick in the draft tomorrow at this time, 8 o'clock Central. There's still uh, The Stars still have the third pick. and um, You know what? It's been a busy day. I think we'll just... Uh, quickly recap everything that happened within the past 24 hours now roughly Cody Eakin is now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights the Stars have an assistant coaching staff that consists of uh, Stu Barnes uh, Stu, Stu Barnes, I can't talk right now Stu Barnes, uh, Rick Wilson and uh, Kurt Fraser is back and still on staff the NHL general manager meetings were today and uh, Jim Nill after that discussed and addressed that what the stars are looking for if they're going to move the third pick and we'll t- we'll get to that in a little bit and we also had the uh obviously all of the uh the, the prospects now I also got to talk to a couple of the pros- top prospects today as well so it's been a busy 24 hours uh where do you want to start Ryan uh i guess we could start the expansion draft since that's fresh in everyone's heads now that was yesterday right i don't even it's been a long 24 hours and i'm that was last night yeah yeah we can start there really no surprise cody eakin was the name that was uh called when the stars were uh when the stars pick was selected ironically it jumped ahead of what uh, they're supposed to announce detroit's pick but they picked the uh but they announced uh the stars instead and and uh, Cody Eakin was headed to Vegas. It was something we kind of all expected, and uh, something that, uh, as Jim Nill explained to me, and I had a story on this last night, if anyone's interested, how the Stars' protection list, and they kind of expected they were going to lose Eakin. Everything kind of evolved over the course of the year, and eventually when it came down to it, Eakin's past season, his struggles had some effect, but the biggest reality really came down to contract, age, and just depth chart within the organization. And as Nil said today, he's got... He didn't clarify for it, clarify it for me because he was looking to get out of here because there's a bunch of media around after the uh, general manager meetings, but the uh, he has six young... Basically, he has six centers in the system that he trusts and 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 uh and i'm not and if we're using system i'm assuming he just meant young as in guys who already played in the nhl because i can't think of six guys that have yet to play in the nhl and i assumed he included roddick fox in that six um and so if we're looking at six young centers that ultimately led to cody eakin's demise of the franchise no matter how well he played this year just hypothetically obviously we both know if cody eakin went out and had 60 points he wouldn't have been exposed um but Ultimately, those six young centers you're looking at, we're for including Radic Fox. It's got Radic Fox. There's Jason Dickinson. There's Devin Shore. There's Rupe Hints. There's Jamel Smith. And I'm guessing it's a stretch on the word young, but within the system, you could say Justin Dowling is the sixth one there. So um, ultimately, there was no need for Cody Eakin, and there's certainly no need for Cody Eakin at $3.85 million per season. And uh, and he wasn't worth protecting over leaving a potential Brett Ritchie or Antoine Roussel or, of course, and we've discussed it at length before, Valerie Nutrition exposed. Right, and I, I kind of got a kick out of the uh, the comment that Jim made that Cody Eakins last season had really nothing, to, had very little to do with his 
status of being exposed because you just hit the head nail on the head. If he put up 60 points last year, there's no chance in hell that Cody Eakins, a Las Vegas Golden Knight right now, pardon me. But, I mean, the rest of it does make sense. He's, if you can, I mean, we, I mean, you just touched on that he's been passed over um, the depth chart in terms of center in the organization, but a lot has to do with how he played this last year. And, I, I mean, obviously it's a loss, but it's, now a situation where Dallas frees up almost $4 million against the cap and on top of losing another $3 million or whatever it is, assuming they buy out Auntie Niemi, and now all of a sudden Dallas is in a prime position to add a humongous contract in the offseason. And I believe I believe that, uh, I mean, the reason that they are saying, and it's, I mean, Jim Nill is a guy who likes to go to bat for his guys. He gave Cody Eakin a contract two years ago. He's going to say this past season had nothing to do with it. So I that that's really where I look at that as lip service um, in, in all reality. Um, it's uh, there's there's opportunities and there's there's just opportunities that weren't seized there by that position that frankly just there's there's nothing that stops so I, was like, I lost. I lost my train of thought right. there. But basically, right. to go back to the point was. I get what you're saying because you're. I mean, you're not going to come out and say, "Yeah, he was poopsie this last year." So we're glad we can dump that salary off our books. I mean, you're going to be diplomatic about it. You're not going to throw your own guys under the bus. But I mean, it just it all adds up, and it it just made too much sense at this point. And I mean, a lot of it has to do with the way that I mean. Ken Hitchcock seemingly wants to have the roster structure next year with Sagan and Spezza down the middle and the way that Radic Fox have played this past year. And he's looking like, I mean, he is unquestionably the third best center on this team, even if Cody Eakin was still here. So it just, it makes sense. You don't want to have your fourth center, quote unquote, making $4 million a year against the cap. We've discussed this at length. There's, I don't think there's really any need to continue to hammer that point home. It was just Obviously, you don't like losing a guy who's still in his mid-20s and has potential to be a good player for nothing, but in this sense, it almost is a loss that doesn't really matter, I would say, because, I mean, you look at someone you're going to get, I would say that based, you could call Cody Eakin almost a replacement level player, just based on the evidence you have at hand, and you can get that for a lot cheaper than $3.85 million a year against the cap. And if uh, if you want more on Cody Eakin and why he's no longer a member of the Stars, just listen to our last podcast. We talked about it quite a bit. Um, it's something that uh, we could go over quite a bit, but we've already discussed that the lead up to that. Now let, let's move on to the let's move past that. Let's look at what's what's next for this team. The Stars today. Um, also, I forgot to even say in our opening, the NHL schedule came out today. Talk about a busy busy news day for the Stars. Um, the stars now head into this weekend, and throughout the throughout the build up to the expansion draft, everyone um, talked about how George McPhee held all the cards in the expansion draft. Well, the stars don't hold all the cards in the NHL draft tomorrow night, but they actually hold quite a few of them. Um, I had a uh, Jim Nill has said that the stars there's four players the stars would like to take at number three, so they know if they're still at number three, no matter what, two of them will be available. And the stars are going to get a very good prospect, and if they're not going to get a very good prospect for number three, that means they traded it away for a roster a very good roster player that's going to play next season. So stars hold a ton of cards here. 
and uh, it's starting to shake up to... I'm not sure how much we should believe the rumors. I mean, there's talks and how much, because we don't know exactly what's going through Ray, Shiro, uh, Ray Shiro's head. But uh, is it Shiro or Shiro? Shiro, I don't know. It's kind of like your last name. I yeah. say it three different but, ways, and it just gets the job done anytime. That's fair. The, the, the New Jersey Devils general manager, who is uh, reportedly interested in taking uh, Kale McCarr with the, with, the, with the number one pick. Um, so all of a sudden, we're going through after months of Nico versus Nolan for number one neither of them might go number one. And so it, it's actually the, the... We're looking at the situation now where the stars may, if reports are true, be in a situation where they're not going with taking the best player available after Patrick or Heischer. They might be taking one of them, or they could t still take a defenseman. It certainly adds a wrinkle for Dallas. Yeah, it was... I mean, even up until today, until I saw that tweet that... New Jersey was strongly considering taking Camel Car number one. That it's, it's something that we just, I, I the center versus D debate was something that had kind of been full stage, but it was more so Casey Middlestat, Gabe Velarde versus Makar, Miro Heiskanen, and it was one of those things that in that instance it was kind of like okay, well, you go D because there's not necessarily game breaking centers in the system, but I mean you already have a mid-20s game-breaking center on your team in Tyler Sagan plus. So you certainly have centers within the system who have the potential to fill the second-line center role once Jason Spetz's contract is up in a couple of years. So it was a position where it was almost like, you know, this is kind of redundant. But if you kind of change up the algebra on this equation there, and instead of looking at Gabe Velarde or Casey Middlesat, we're looking at, hey, Here's Nolan Patrick, the guy who was the consensus number one pick heading into this season, who's still a almost consensus top two pick aside from a couple little wrinkles here. Now things are getting interesting. And I texted this to you earlier today, but if something like that happens, it's going to remind me of 2010 when the Stars had Jack Campbell number three on their draft board and they were taking him no matter what. And here's Cam Fowler, who was projected to be a top three, top five pick falling to them at a number 11. And they still ended up going Jack Campbell. And I feel safe in saying that uh, the people making the decision at that time kind of regret that move. Um, so, man, I'm interested as hell to see what happens. Because it was already stressful enough when we're talking center versus D when I'm sitting here feeling like D is the way to go. you got to go with D. This is, you know, it's an, it's not, I mean, it's an organizational need now. But it's, uh, you, you can never, I can, if someone sits there and say, and says, we're good at D, we don't need to draft a D. When you have the potential to draft a number one defenseman, I will laugh at you every single time you say that. Because unless you're in a situation where you have defensemen, top four defensemen literally coming out of your ears, which the Stars don't have, take the guy who could be a number one defenseman. But then it comes to a situation where you're looking at a guy like Nolan Patrick, and I, it's, it's, it's something that, God, conventional wisdom says, take the dump guy who was supposed to go number one, but I don't know that I would still take Patrick if he fell to three. It's, uh, it, for me, it comes down, it's interesting decision of, and, and this is something for me as I've looked at things, if Heischer falls to three, I take Heischer right away. And that's kind of just, it, it, it's, it's an interesting, and it's, I'm going to kind of talk out of both sides of my mouth right now. Um, Jim Neal believes he has six young centers. He believes he has depth at center. That's, um, so if you're looking at Nolan Patrick and or Nico Heischer adding to this team, you either 
are believing they're going to be to the system, you believe in two or three years they are going to be high on your center depth chart, or they're going to play the wing ultimately. And that, that's not a problem. A guy can move from center to wing easily. I personally, I believe it's 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 not easy for a guy to move from wing to center, but moving from center to wing is not a big deal. Um, if it comes, it, it, it's interesting, especially because McCarr is the one being mentioned as the as the New Jersey might take. Because I had been thinking in my mind that if anyone was going to jump into the top two, it would have been Miro Heiskanen, and I was thinking it would have been Heiskanen. Then we'd be looking at okay, well, it's going to be Patrick versus McCarr, and then I would take Patrick. But now we're looking at the guy who I think, who I thought might also be worthy of number one in, in Heiskanen, and uh, as a defenseman and a guy, it's there's so many dynamics here, and. It's a decision that we can be glad we don't have to stake our jobs on making this decision because there are some people who believe from outside the Stars organization, I've talked to a couple scouts, I've talked to a couple people this weekend, who believe that Kale McCarr, who, and this is why New Jersey might take him number one, could be the best player in this draft overall in the long run. And some people have said the same thing about Miro Heiskanen. But then also there's some people have said the same thing about, uh, it's, it's that list of four that you're not getting a bad choice but it will be second-guessed if Patrick's available at three and you don't take right. him. Right, and it's just everything that I've read leading up to this draft about the defenseman is that Kale McCarr is kind of like that boomer bust guy, that at his ceiling he could be Eric Carlson, or he's a guy that completely bombs out and doesn't ever play in the NHL. And it's just, it's so... Fascinating is not the right word, but it's just he's a guy that is so dynamic offensively, but he did it playing junior, not major junior, but junior A in Canada, which is, I God, almost a step below the USHL, almost. It's a good example for our... Um... If you, if, if, for a good example, for a more mainstream sport, or if you don't understand, if you're, if you've never heard, you've probably never heard of the AJHL. Unless you really pay attention to hockey, you've probably never heard of the AJHL, which is where Makar came from. Taking Makar first overall is like when you have, to use a football analogy, is if you, if like you have the Big Ten quarterback who's put up great numbers in the Big Ten, but you take a guy who's put up similar numbers in the yeah, back. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's um. Because the AJHL is a it's a primary feeder for college hockey, but it's a league that sends guys like Kamakar is going to UMass Amherst, which is not a great hockey program. So this is a league that sends guys to like those. I mean, obviously, quote unquote Power Five college hockey. Because I mean, all of Division One is Power Five. Every conference gets an auto bid to the NCAA tournament. But it's one of those leagues that unless you're like, God, why am I blanking on his name? Like well, I got the BCHL is better than that, but it's like it's one of those things where unless you're like Tyson Jost good, you're nine times out of ten if you're coming from the AJHL, you're going to like Bowling Green or Colorado College or something like that, not a elite level hockey program. And well, look at a look look at a Colton Pareko, who's the most recent success from that league. He went to Alaska. True. And Alaska and Alaska's program actually might be cut sooner than later, for all we know. Uh, so it's though the, the, their most recent success story is a guy who went to basically the mid-major of hockey programs in college, yeah. and that's where McCall's and going. You, you, UMass, Am, UMass Amherst is better than Alaska, but barely it's still in that same. It's it's in it's in that and same realm. What I don't remember what the exact pick 
I know the exact pick he was, but I don't remember exactly how they phrased it, if it was like top five or top ten or first round. But really, I, I can't remember, so I can't say this accurately, but Kyle Turris was also, I, I th- he was the only other guy who came from the AJHL to be drafted that highly. And I mean, he's a pretty good player, but I mean, he, he was also a guy who took forever to find his stride. And granted, there was he wasn't in a great situation in Arizona, but... I guess for a comparison's sake, that this isn't—we're not talking about a league that's exactly known for spawning elite-level NHL players. Yeah, and we're not—we're not, not talking. Mean, and if, if anything, the team in the top—and uh, and this is the interesting thing—we think about teams that can take boomer bust players. New Jersey's not the one that should be taking a no. boomer bust player. They legitimately suck. No, they—they they legitimately suck. The, the Flyers and the Stars in the top three actually have a bit of a core, have something to build for. Those—those those are the ones that could actually take a risk. New Jersey should be taking should be taking Patrick. They should be taking the player that could play next year and isn't going to be. It's, it's it's fascinating to me that New Jersey is New Jersey's taking a risk on this one because. He could be the best player in this draft, and I believe that he could be the best player in this draft. But it is a big what-if, because I have yet to see him perform at a higher level against tougher competition, and I've yet to see him do what I saw Miro Heishkinen do against men in the finish league. that's the other comp, too, is we're talking about a guy whose offensive ceiling might not be as high, but he's a guy who's already done it against men. So there's... Here's another thing I just kind of thought about. What are the odds that whoever drafts Kale McCarr kind of gives him that nudge to go major junior instead of going to college? I feel like it's at least even money. Um, I think it's... Uh, maybe, but I also think I've seen Kale McCarr, and I've se- I, I think the college route actually works for Kale McCarr because... He needs to bulk up. Right. Like I, th- I think there, like I think he could. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a nudge there, but I, I, I do think I see the benefits in him going to college and him bulking up and him getting stronger. Um, and he'll and, and playing in college, he'll still get to play against guys who are 22, 23. UMass Amherst, there are they, they in hockey are, now or where, where are they? I believe they are. Hockey. I'm like 99% sure they are hockey East, but they're not a good hockey East team. They're pretty bad in hockey East. And that's actually, that's fine. If he's playing for a bad team in hockey East and he's playing against the top competition all the time in hockey East, I'm fine with that. If, if I'm, if I'm the team who's in charge of his development, um, I actually think that's actually better than him being at, in, in an odd way, I think that's better because he'll play that's right away true. as a freshman there and play big like minutes. It's not like he's going to BU and he's going to get lost in the shuffle with the 18 other draft picks. He's unquestionably going to be the guy at UMass Amherst, and he's going to play in all situations. He's going to play 30 minutes a night. So, I mean, hey, I guess that that is a good point. That does work. Yeah. It's... Uh... So either way, and now we can get back to the stars. Who are they going to take? It's going to be real. The options are wide open. Real quick, you say you said four guys that they want to take. I'm assuming those four guys are Nolan Patrick, Nico Heischer, Kael McCarr, and Mir Heishkinen. Those are the uh, four in my mind. Those aren't official. Obviously, uh, Jim Nill likes to play things close, and he likes to keep things hidden. But those are the four that uh, I would. Uh, I would bet a good chunk of money on that those are okay. the four. That was, just, that was more so for my personal 
sanity more than anything because I'm still at that point. If they pull a fast one and try to take a center that's not Heisher or Patrick, then I might have a brain aneurysm tomorrow. God, I almost don't want Nolan Patrick to fall. Because <laughs> that everything is just like, yay, you should take him, but like, kind of would prefer the D still anyway. If, if I want a center to fall, which means he won't fall, if I want a center, it's Nico Heischer. I think he, do, he does more, he checks more boxes for me. I think he has higher potential. Um, Patrick might have a lower... Patrick might have a lower floor... I mean, sorry, Patrick might have a higher floor... Then he sure, in my mind, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? As he might pick, be, yeah. yeah, but he sure has the higher potential in my mind. Um, it's uh, honestly, I, I still want the defenseman, and it's it, it would be tough to it would be tough to pass up on Patrick if he drops to three. But it's a conversation right. you have How to have. How crazy would that be if you're sitting in Colorado shoes where you think you're expecting to get the number one pick, you end up picking it four, you still end up getting Nolan Patrick anyway. Or, or, say, uh, somebody else trades ahead well, of you. Well, see, that's my thing, and that's what I was thinking about, is if you're Jim Nill and you want to trade down, I, to a team, but you still want to... Because that was the thing I texted you. If Kale McCarr goes number one, like I, I feel like from the get-go, the conversation with the D has been Kale McCarr and Mira Heishkinen because I feel like those are the only two defensemen projected to go in the top ten. If Nolan Patrick falls down to three, there's going to be interest for that third. There's going, I mean, there's already interest for that third pick, but there's going to be even more interest for that third pick. Like say Las, say Vegas wants Nolan Patrick to, you know, obviously be a guy who's on the. He's going to be. He would be a guy who'd play from day one in Vegas. But I don't know that I would trade down any lower than four because then you're not going to get a defenseman. Yeah, I don't want to. The only way I'm trading three, and Jim Nill kind of confirmed this to us tonight, the only way I'm trading three is if I'm getting a roster player that makes me not not lose sleep over losing what could have been with, with that yeah, top I've three. Yeah, I've gotten pick. a very significant kick out of Canucks fans who have been saying, Chris Tanev for number three overall. That's it. In what universe is Chris Tanev worth number three? I, you're, if you're giving me Chris Tanev and your first, your five overall, fine. I don't think the Canucks would do that. I don't know why they would do that because then it's like you're trading Chris Tanev to move up two spots, whatever. But that Chris Tanev isn't that good. He's like a four. I'm not trading the third overall pick for a number four defenseman. The other interesting thing right now, too, and we kind of, if we're trying, there's so many puzzle pieces, and Jim Nill doesn't like to give hints on things, but he's kind of given us a little bit by telling us, so the Stars are interested in Mark Mathot. We don't know whether the interest is still there. I mean, the Stars are interested in Mark Mathot, who obviously was taken by Vegas. He's 31, was uh, Eric Carlson's partner in Ottawa, and you know what, Eric, he, he did a good job with Carlson as Carlson's partner, but then again, it's not hard to be Eric Carlson's partner, um, which I think that's something we have to remember. While Mathot could come in and be a good partner for Klingberg, it's not like Klingberg and Mathot and Carlson are one for one comparables. They're both Swedish defensemen who earlier in their who Swedish defensemen who like to play offense, but Klingberg is nowhere near what Eric Carlson is right now. So it's not a one-for-one one, just plug in, oh, plug Mathot in and Eric Carlson, and, and Klingberg comes Eric Carlson. That's not what it is. Um, if, if, any, if anything, I'd be more concerned because 
you'd have to have how effective would Mathot be playing with Klingberg, a player who he would then have to anchor him more defensively. Because we've talked about Carlson before. Carlson does everything. Carlson blocks shots. Carlson plays the penalty kill. Now, he didn't early in his career, but now he is. He's one of the best three players on the planet. If I'm building my team right now, Eric Carlson's maybe my first pick to, to start my franchise. If it's not, it's Connor McDavid. But if it's not Connor McDavid, it's Eric, it's Eric Carlson. So, Mark Mathot, sorry, that on my on my on my side rant there. Mark Mathot is a target the Stars. The Stars would like to bring Mark Mathot. He's thirty-one. He'd be a good fit. He's not the he's the bounty for him is not number three because Jim Nill has said today he wants a young, instant impact roster player for number three. Mark Mathot is not young, so that means if the Stars maybe the Stars are shopping twenty-nine and a package of something else for Mathot. That's another thing we have to keep track of tomorrow and keep an eye open for. What is the return there? What could Mathot be? What's someone else offering? And how will that play out? That's another storyline to track tomorrow evening as well That's as we get into true. the draft. And I'm glad you said number three overall is not the market because I was going to come out and say I would also not trade number three overall for Mark Mathot. I'm, we can, I'm not going to get into that because my price for number three overall would be through the roof. And if any GM tried to call me and negotiate with me, they would get mad at me and hang up on me and never call me again. But I, that, that is interesting to see. It seems like, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. I, based on the way everything that was kind of sounding leading up to the expansion draft, I would have guessed that the price would have been at least 29 overall. Now seeing that everything Vegas got in terms of the side deals they made, I'm not so sure anymore. I I could honestly see him going for a second, going for 39, but I, I guess we'll see because Vegas didn't, a lot of those side deals were just kind of like, meh, they weren't really, I mean, other than getting Shea Theodore from Anaheim and obviously a first rounder from Columbus, swipping, then swipping, swapping that with Winnipeg and then getting one from the Islanders, they didn't really get that good of stuff. So I, I don't know. A, a, a random thought today that just that just confused me, and I just wanted to was getting a fifth round pick from Montreal worthy of taking David Schlemko than any other player on San Jose. I, that, that's the thing is I don't know, and the fact that they took Alexi Yemelin without having to be bribed, like I, unless there was a market for someone said I want Alexi Yemelin and I'll give you this for it, I I don't know I. I thought I had a clue, and it appears I have no clue. So I just don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm all clued out. It's fascinating. I mean, it's in a fascinating 24 hours, and I think there, everyone here seems to believe there's going to be more moves and more trades tomorrow. Um, the Wild probably will move a defenseman still just because they need to... Uh, the Wild need to move a defenseman, not because of the players themselves, but because of the cap yes, situation. Correct. Because uh, the, because they have some contracts they need to give out, um, so that could be in play. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we get back to the uh, to the to the to the, the Brodeen discussion again. Maybe Jonas Brodeen comes back into comes back into conversation with the Stars if if the Wild decide. I don't know why they would because he was actually one they predicted. I think they'd probably prefer to move Scandella, but maybe that's an option. 
Yeah, that's true. And I, there seems to be a lot of, uh, I mean, it's, I feel like it's been talked about since the trade deadline, but it seems like there's a lot of smoke around Montreal moving Alex Galchenyuk as well. So that will be interesting to see if he's a guy that I feel like got 25, probably all other 30 teams will at least call on and see if, see what the price would be for him. Why can't I find Minnesota? There it is. I'm, I can't read. So I'm, there's, God, I'm, I'm excited for tomorrow. It's going to be, I, I mean, I, the draft is obviously a lot more fun when your team is drafting in the top 10 and that's not always a good, that, I mean, that's never a good thing because you'd rather they be drafting last in the first round, but it, it's fun. It's fun to pay attention to. And just, I mean, just as a hockey fan, pers- from a perspective of a hockey fan too, just to see all the stuff that goes down too. It's just, it's an exciting day. We're going to, we're going to wrap this one up. So it's because we're not going to go the full hour or anything like that today because we're recording this on Thursday and everything we've talked about will be, <laughs> will be for not in, in less than 24 hours. So we're going to keep this one short, but I, I want to, one last thought I just want to kind of put out there. And this is something that will, as we get closer to July 1st and things like that, the stars are going to be in a spot. And this is this, this free agency class is going to be filled with players that are overpaid. Oh yeah. 100%. And it is, but the stars are set up have set themselves up where they're in a position where, when Alexander Radulov needs way too much money, who I know I've been pushing for him to be here, the stars now will have this cap space to do that. I saw the most recent report on Twitter, I believe, was he was asking for seven million. I don't like spending seven million, but what Over, I consider the stars will have twenty two million. Too. Yeah, I don't like that, and it, it makes me leery. But it's something that. It's something the stars could do. I don't know if they should do, but it's something they can do. Yeah. And so, the stars have a ton of have a ton of cap space. Um, they've got a lot of room to play with things, and they've also got the cap space too. Where, say, you want to take on a quote unquote bad contract for one year or two, they could theoretically do that if it was part of a deal to get a better, younger player in addition to that. Yeah, and talking about Radulov, Radulov. I mean, for a guy in his 30s giving out six years seven million a year is obviously never a good thing but Dallas is in a position right now that the only guys they have signed past 2018-19 are Jamie Ben, John Klingberg and Ben Bishop there's no committed salary on it this is the exact opposite of Chicago where you have big money tied up into everyone for five six seven years it after this season, you're losing Kari Lettman's six million dollar cap hit. You'll still have. I'm assuming they're. I'm. I'm operating under the assumption they're buying out Anthony Niemi because I don't know who in their right mind would trade for him. But you know, I mean, you'll have his one point five million dollar cap penalty or whatever on the thing for next year. But I mean, that's you know insignificant at this point. Dan Ham used almost four million dollar cap. It comes off the books. You're going to have an ass ton of money next off season to spend. So I mean. It's not something that would kill them to give out a big money contract to a winger who probably doesn't deserve that term and money, but it is what it is. It's uh, just another storyline to follow, and that's just kind of the key going into Friday. Well, we will uh, we will break from now. We'll, we'll probably uh, record a, another episode, what, Saturday afternoon from the United Center just to recap all of the picks. And uh, 
it should be uh, an exciting week. A weekend, I mean, well, Friday and Saturday morning. It should be exciting with the Stars having three picks in the top 40. And uh, I'm also incredibly intrigued to see what Vegas does, just having that many picks, too, because they've got 13 picks heading in tomorrow. And I don't think any, I, that's got to be a record of I some sort. I'm in the top 15, too. That's, uh, you got a lot of ammo to do some stuff there. Very much so. Well, everyone, uh, thanks for listening, and we will uh, talk after there are uh, new prospects to head to the pool on Saturday.